Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this is your official source for a lack of insight and basis opinion. Today is November 24th, 2014. This is episode 101. It kind of feels odd being above that big old 100 number. but Yeah, it's eh. weird. Should we, should we restart at one? Eh, let's not do that. Uh, my name is Scott Magnus, and I'm here with my big boy, my color commentator, Jake English. For those of us that are listening on this uh, lovely podcast, you can find us at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can also find us on the baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. Uh, you can also find us on Stitcher, Miro, Double Twist, and Apple products known as iTunes if you so choose. But they've been a little flaky lately, so uh, try some other areas. Stitcher. Stitcher, yeah. You also can check us out on social media on Facebook. Um, but really, you should be following us on Twitter at Bird's Eye View BAL. That's Bird's Eye View BAL. And if you're going to go to our website, we highly recommend clicking on the Amazon banner at the bottom of Bird's Eye View Baltimore.com for your holiday shopping. Uh, we'd love to get, you know, a few pennies on the dollar to uh, keep the lights on here at SD Studios. And I guess with that, Jake, it's time we go into the drink of the week. All right. My drink of the week is a gin and tonic, uh, heavy on the lime tonight. Uh, the gin in question is New Amsterdam because I went with the cheap stuff. And uh, and that is my drink of the week. And you, sir. All right. I'm going with a Heavy Seas Red Sky at Night Ale. Well, it's a Saison, actually. Yeah, it's a Saison. And, and you Spice know how, Saison. You know how I know it's a Saison? Because you spit it out and said, oh. It's because it's too manly a beer for me. Saison is actually one of the most mild beers out there. I know. So. I just I yeah. don't care for it. Sorry. Speaking about drinks of the week, there was actually a really interesting article today that I came across. Did you know that as of today, there is more craft beer drank than Budweiser. Yeah, and that would be really encouraging, except for it's just the regular Budweiser. I'm aware. Yeah, I know. Yeah, if you look at the rest of like I the know. American light beer, don't. No. It, it's harmful. No. Well, that's just Budweiser, just strictly Budweiser, not Bud Light, nothing like that. It's just Budweiser. So, Or as they like to call it, InBev Classic. Yeah, this shit. There you go. InBev American Classic, okay? <laughs> you get it right. But that is a good sign. And uh, for those of you that are that are into the interwebs and want to join us for the drink of the week, you can find us on Untapped, uh, which I believe also connects to our Twitter. You can find me at jakee4025, and Scott uh, is on Untapped at magn8606. And, Scotty, with that, do you want to dive into a little twat? This week on the Twitter, let's go some suit through with some frightening choices that are out there. Ken Rosenthal... Uh, was reporting a rumor um, last week discussing Indians were exploring wide range of options, including a trade for Nick Swisher for another player with an inflated contract. Uh, Swisher was owed $30 million in 2015 and 2016 with a $14 million vesting option for 2017. Other inflated deals would be Phillies' Ryan Howard, Braves' BJ Upton, and Orioles' Abaldo Jimenez. Bum, bum, bum. All right, let's come back out. 
you know, Camden Depot had a whole thing and they talked about this and said, what if there was a trade and could we make this work? But Rockabaco came out and Madison Sports and basically said, nope, not going to happen. Club doesn't want to do it. There's not no interest. They think Abato is going to bounce back. So let's just say Nick Swisher not going to be seen in Orioles uniform anytime soon. It's the silly time of the offseason. That's when rumors like this happen. There's there's no other way to say it. Can can I talk about another silly rumor? Okay, go ahead. All right, I'm I'm entitling this one "Whoop His Ass." Mm, what are uh, you talking about? This is also a a series of tweets comes from at Craig Calcaterra, who's obviously Craig Calcaterra. Um, the first tweet uh, reads as follows: "Buy low now on quote great clubhouse guys unquote." Features stories just in case Tory Hunter signs in Toronto alongside Martin. The next tweet reads. Number of those stories will mention Hunter's physical confrontation with Pujols and the time he uh, talked about Prince's divorce. Zero. Hmm. Yeah, here's another thing. Remember that little confrontation with uh, Bud Norris with the hit by pitch? I do. He, uh, he got a little, uh, got a little mouthy. Got a little close to the mound. Look, you sir, bite your tongue. Vince Scully stood up for that man, and his, you know, you know, Tory Hunter's dad was a crack addict, and he found a crack pipe in his, you know, pocket in school one day, and. Uh, Anybody that Vince Scully can tell a story like that about, he's okay in my book. Look, I'm sure every team has a story like this where Torrey Hunter... That has a crack pipe in their pocket? No, where Torrey Hunter acted like a jerk. Actually, Delman Young was on our team last year, yeah, so... That's true, that's yeah. true. Look, it's not going to happen. I don't think the Orioles have any interest in him. It's just one of those things where, oh, Orioles need an outfielder. Torrey Hunter is an outfielder. Of course it's a match! Okay. All right, what else you got on the twat? Well, here comes the hand-wringing. Um, the 2015 Hall of Fame ballot was released uh, by the Baseball Writers of America. Um, so, Jake, we've got a plethora of individuals coming out. Pedro Martinez is one individual that definitely deserves consideration, in my opinion, of being a Hall of Famer. I realize, you know, he did pitch for Boston for a predominant period of time. But in all honesty, Pedro Martinez is a surefire Hall of Famer. And honestly, he was a pretty... Well, he was pretty culturally significant, too, during the playoffs of making a few funny moments as well. I, I think, if nothing else, he's a Hall of Fame broadcaster now. He, uh, he's let's an, not go that far. He's an analyst. He puts the anal in analyst. And um, frankly, if if for no other reason, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Look, we're getting to that point with the Hall of Fame that we're going to have to start getting our story straight as to whether or not we're going to allow folks that either are implicated in steroids for no reason, like Biggio, or guys that we know did them, like, say, McGuire, are they Hall of Famers or not? Like, we, we can't avoid this problem anymore. And and the should he be in, shouldn't he be in discussion, yeah. I, I the think, bigger issue we're going to get into is writers out there that are going to say, I'm not voting for anybody from the 80s to the 90s. Right, yeah, And, and that's going to just be a huge issue of if those writers aren't going to vote for anybody from that era— then honestly, their votes need to be taken away. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I I felt very strongly at the beginning that uh, steroid guys shouldn't be allowed in the Hall of Fame. I just you know I was adamant about that, and my my views have completely shifted. Um, you know, when you walk through the Hall of Fame now, I've I've never been, but when you walk through the Hall of Fame, you see the the black eyes on this sport. I, I feel like baseball does a pretty good job of of bearing the ugliness of its game and the time in which it took place. And this is just one of those ugly moments for the sport. And in that time, through all the drugs, some of those players were really, really good. 
uh, Barry Bonds, for absolutely. example. I mean, Barry Bonds is absolutely amazing. And yes, I realize that there are, you know, a steroid taint to him. But again, there is a certain um, Hall of Fame performance that you've got to give consideration to with his performance of just, you know, demanding walks and having the eye for doing what he did. And to me, the tragedy of Barry Bonds is that he would have been a Hall of Famer without all of it. Yeah. Right? And, and honestly, if you're not following Barry Bonds on Instagram and Twitter, you need to be doing that immediately. You were doing yourself <laughs> yes. a disservice. You were doing the world a disservice. Yes. Um, let's go into what we've entitled The Scapegoat. Dan Connolly was the first one to report this today, and you can follow him at Dan Connolly's son. Jim Presley, the Orioles hitting coach since 2011, has been reassigned according to a source. The club is currently interviewing candidates. Jake, you know, there's been a lot of people out there that have grind their acts with Jim Presley, specifically because the Orioles have a terrible on-base percentage and they don't draw walks. Yet the team has consistently been a top-10 offense um, in the American League since Jim Presley has been on here. Um, Jake, good thing or bad thing? Well, let me ask you this. How do those people that have been grinding the axe, as you say, against Jim Presley feel about the team when they beat the uh, the Tigers in the ALDS in a pitching-heavy team? Huh? Well, you mean the Orioles' offense was okay at that point? What? Yeah. Look, I, I've got this piece that I wrote up for birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. I'm not sure that I'm going to post it because I'm not really sure if I have anything there. Um, How is that different than any other time? <laughs> <laughs> it is a low bar that I usually slither over. But my point for this piece was basically... Look, what is the what does the hitting coach on a major league team really do? Like I, I feel like his job is to help younger players make that adjustment from the minors to the majors. It's to uh, uh, provide a, a neutral arbiter, a, a second pair of eyes, a, a clean look for um, veterans that are trying to get out of a, a slump. And beyond that, these are proud, heavily paid prima donnas that can only be coached to a certain point. You know, when the player makes, you know, nine times what the coach makes, the voice of the coach is only so much. And this is not a coach that has control over whether or not that player is in the lineup that particular evening. So I, I kind of feel like why are we, you know, what impact does the, the hitting coach really have? And why are we holding that guy accountable instead of the nine guys that can't get on base or refuse to uh, give in to the shift and, and, not put their ego aside. I don't know, Jake. I mean, we were talking about this last year where Chris Davis was going off his 50 home run season and Jim Presley evidently was a paramount in Chris Davis changing his swing around in order to have him do so well during the 2013 Oh, he was season. good then. Okay. He was good then. Okay. And then Chris Davis came in this year and was terrible and Jim Presley just couldn't figure it out and, you know, he basically screwed the pooch. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a no-win situation. If people are doing great, then it's like, oh, this guy's doing great. But it's also just we've got a lot of talented players. If people are doing bad, then it's the hitting coach's fault because it's, why are they in a slump? They shouldn't be in a slump, even though it's a really long season and people go through slumps all the time. I think you said it perfectly when you said scapegoat. Um, the thing with Presley is that it is apparently a personal issue that, that Presley requested the change uh -huh. and not, sure it is. not dependent on his performance. Of course it is. Look, the Orioles... Just have, like our pitching coaches from before? The, the Orioles have a history. The pitching coach had a personal uh, issue with health in the family. It was not a performance issue, so... All I'm saying is the Orioles can be like, hey, you know, you got a personal issue, you're going to leave. What? <laughs> Excuse me? You have a personal issue, and you're going to leave. Well, what if I don't want to leave? Well, we'll make you leave. Look, if that's the case, I will say that there are worse things in the club handling personal business on the inside, right? I do have an insight about this, though. One of my sources did indicate that the reason Jim Presley wants to be reassigned is that he is going to be doing pothole management at his house. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Lastly, on the twat uh, for this week, I'm going to go to a tweet from Orioles Uncensored. You can find them at 
uh, at O's Uncensored. You should not only be following them, but you should be listening to their podcast. They're great guys over there. Hi, guys. (laughs) The tweet is as follows. We criticize the Red Sox for spending money on injury-prone players. Space. At some point, we're going to spend nine figures on Manny. Space. Sports. Yeah. There's a a ring of truth to that. Yeah, there's a ring of truth to it, but it's also spending money on players that are, you know, by the time their contract is over, um, they're going to be in their, you know, mid-30s. So I understand what you're saying, Jake, but when we give Manny his nine-figure contract, I'm hoping that it's going to be when he's going to be hitting his prime um, in, you know, ending the contract around his 30th or 31st year. Uh, From your lips to God's ears, I, I hope you're right. We'll probably get into this in a little bit. Uh, look, you and I have been avoiding this, you know, talking about the Orioles in the offseason because, you know, the Orioles haven't done much of anything. It, it's kind of it, it's kind of dumb to, to opine on, on this is what they should do, this is what they will do, why aren't they doing anything? Because, you know, look at last year. The, the Orioles hemmed and hawed and sat on the sidelines. Then they made a couple of quick moves at the end that we were all very fond of. Well, okay, we were largely fond of. At least we were glad that they did something. And in the end... You know, the the Orioles had a great season in 2013. So, as much as we hate to do it, let's do it. Let's do the We're going to do this? We're going to do this? Let's hot stove it up. All right, let's get stupid. All right, Jake, so there's three pieces that we need to be looking at here. Um, the three main pieces that the Orioles are losing this offseason are going to be Andrew Miller, Nelson Cruz, and uh, Nick Markakis. So the question, Jake, is do they get any of those guys back whatsoever? Well, let's start with the easy one. Uh, Andrew Miller, not going to happen. Not, not only do I think it, not only do you think it, but that's basically been said. I think it was Hardball Talk today that came out and said that there are eight to ten tw- uh, teams interested in him, and none of them are the Orioles because all of those teams are going to cross into three plus years and ten plus million dollars. I would agree. Now let's come back and you know eliminate Andrew Miller because that information's already came out. Uh, Nelson Cruz, the Orioles allegedly offered him three years. And they also offered the qualifying offer. Um, the rumor was it was three for forty five, but it's probably a little bit higher than that. Um, let, let's hope that's actually all they offer him. And I know people are going to be really um, have an issue with this because they're like, Nelson Cruz was the MVP last year for the Orioles. You know, we have to offer him the contract without him. Where does our offense stand? But the likelihood that Nelson Cruz comes back and duplicates that similar performance like he did this year uh, is highly unlikely. In fact, like we have talked about for two months there, he was pretty much non-existent. Um, congratulations, Nelson Cruz. You had a great year. But more than likely, you're not going to have that same year next year. And there's no way you're going to have it for three years out as well. So best of luck. We'll take our draft pick. So you are not in favor of signing Nelson Cruz? Um, no. No, I'm not. Okay. Do you think it's likely, even even against your wishes, that they'll sign Nelson Cruz? Um, I think it's possible. I think, I think it's possible. Yeah. I, I think it's becoming more likely... And I don't say it's it's eminent, but I think it's more likely the longer it goes on 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I just wouldn't give any more than three years and $45 million. I think even that's overkill. I would only give two years for, at $30 million if, at most. Again, I agree with you. I, th- I think you're dead on, but I, I think that you know the Orioles made an offer. It, it almost kind of feels like the, the Ravens approach. You know, With their guys, they say, look, here's the money we got for you. Go out and see if you can do better. If you don't like what you get out there, come on back. We'll talk about it. And I, I feel like maybe that's the approach. They say, look, Nelson, you had a great year. We have some concerns about you. We also think you're a great player. Here's the offer. Here's what you're worth to us. We know you want to be here if the money's right, if the situation's right. We want you here if the money's right and the situation's right. Go do your business, see what you can figure out, and then come back and talk to us. And the longer that goes on, the more I think, well, crap, maybe they will sign Nelson Cruz back. I'm with you in the in the in the camp that says, you know, maybe he'd be good a year or two into that contract. I don't want to go any further than that. But hey, the longer it goes on, the longer the more I the more likely I think it is that we get him. But we're beating around the bush. The big one. The big one is Nick Marcakis, and I think everyone at this point thought that the Nick Marcakis deal would have been wrapped up, done, um, and there's winter meetings pending in two weeks. So, you know, you would have thought that Nick Marcakis would be signing the contract, and, you know, there's been rumors and speculation coming out, at least through some people that we know, saying, oh, it's going to get done, and then it gets pushed off a week, and then they says, okay, it's going to get done again. It gets pushed off a week. There's, you know, there's rumors and stuff like that that we're hearing that people are going to be coming in this week to meet with Nick Marcakis with their agents and the Orioles. Um, and maybe it'll get done before Thanksgiving. But who knows anymore? I mean, who knows? I mean, anything could happen. The four years and $40 million that is being bandied about is concerning. Um, I don't think Nick Marquette is, is deserving of a four-year contract. I said, Like I said, three years is about the most I would give him. I'd give him a good three-year, $33 million deal, um, and that's about it. And that's being very generous on my part. I I always thought the three thirty was the was the magic number. Yeah, I'd love to have Nick Marquez back for three and thirty million dollars. Yeah. Let me ask you this: Baseball is different than football. Mm-hmm. It's a different animal. Yeah. Right. You're going to have Nick Marquez uh, at thirty four at the end of a four year contract. Is that right? Thirty five. Thirty five. I think it is. Yeah. I think the decline will be a lot more evident, particularly because he's not a power guy. You know, he's a he's an on base guy. He doesn't have a lot of speed. So the skills that will leave him will leave him I, I think will leave him and he'll fall off the, the the page pretty quickly I wonder if it's not the type of deal where if Nick Marquez wants four years and 40 million dollars the Orioles sign that because they get the 330 that they want and then they just have to deal with the last year even if it's they have to deal with that last year and he's on the disabled list you know for a good portion of it I, I can so we're taking another Brian Roberts contract huh? yeah I can see the Orioles doing 440 do I think it's the right thing to do no but again, we're talking about what's likely or what is you know within the realm of possibility and reality. I think 440 is a is a doable contract for the Orioles. Okay. I don't love it, but I think from a standpoint of will they do it? Yeah, probably. I think they'll do it as well based off of uh, the relationship between Marquez and Angelos as well. Um, I just you know from a stat aspect, I think it's it's a, it's a terrible thing, and you're setting yourself up for failure. Especially when you've got individuals below who that you know, like Alvarez and Dave Lowe, that could possibly fill in. But again, Nick Markakis is that uh, figurehead that is people are going to come out to the ballpark and say, "Oh, I want to wear support Nick Markakis." It's what a, a person like a common fan can do. So, from a marketing aspect, it makes sense. From a business and you know field aspect, it doesn't really make sense. But I'm sure if we were to talk to Buck right now, Buck would completely disagree with us and say, "You're understanding all the intangibles that he brings to this team without Markakis in the lineup." Yeah, his stats might not show it. But he, you know, trickles down to that entire lineup as well. And here's here's something that I, I don't know. 
Okay, I, I'm not one of those guys that likes to pretend that I know everything. Here's the thing I don't know. What is it worth in a contract when the first two years are great and the last two suck? You know, when, when a player gives you everything that you could possibly need and you have that window of all those players doing those things and allowing you to do things like make the ALCS and maybe beyond, you know, when is that investment of taking the good years right away and dealing with the crappy years afterward, when does that make sense? I don't think it makes sense in like a pool holes type deal, but is there it's a... It's very simple, Jake. It's a question of whether the team as a whole, um, depending on it, can actually survive. For example, a team that is a low to mid-market team like the Orioles, and let's not get away from it, um, the Orioles are a low to mid-market re- revenue team, uh, but they are going to be over $100 million this year in terms of payroll at the very minimum. In fact, they're probably going to be right around 125 to $135 million based off my estimates. So the Orioles are going to be close to being a top 10 team in terms of spending. You just have to see how it, pro- uh, how it comes out later on in years. Uh, and again, with the further and further amount of arbitration players the Orioles get, the further and further that, that money is going to go up. And again, with the massing case still looming, who knows what kind of revenue stream is going to be available for the Orioles in years following. Yeah. Again, I, I want to stress, I don't know the answer to the question I've, that I've asked. I, I think that it also depends on, is the farm system good enough to allow you a lot of good, young, cheap players to counteract that that big contract that you've given up? But I asked a loaded question. I, I think what I was dancing around was, is there a window for the Orioles? And let's try to dive into that by by looking at what's coming back. What do we have definitely coming back in 2015? All right, let's look at the whole of what we have coming back. So let's start with the starting rotation. Um, and you've got Norris, Gonzalez, Tillman. Uh, you've got Jimenez. Uh, you've got uh, Gossman. And who else am I missing? Chen. Chen is the other one I'm missing. Uh, so you've got six starters right there. And then you also have Dylan Bundy, who maybe gets up here, but more likely than not won't get up here until September because they'll use this entire year in the minors to groom him, basically. I agree. I think if if Bundy is up, he's in the Gosman role of just being in the bullpen and, and you don't have to worry about him as a starter. I think even that's a stretch. So, But again, you have six starters right now. And uh, the trade you know, talk is lingering uh, right now. Again, we already talked about Hibaldo Jimenez being a possible trade ship. But in all honesty, I wrote this article about Hibaldo Jimenez, and I said, you know, I really think that the Orioles need to hold on to Hibaldo Jimenez because he's got higher upside. And with that higher upside, I think we need to take a look at other players that don't have that higher upside. Um, And I'm going to write an article on uh, Baltimore Sports Report making that determination of who the Orioles should be looking to trade at this time. So you think that there's some serious trade bait there between... Any of those other guys, Norris, Gonzalez, Gosman, Bundy, yada, 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 all along down the line. Even Chen would be an interesting thing because, again, you're only controlling him this year. Next year, he's going to be a free agent. All right. I I hear what you're saying. As a fan, it's tough to hear that you're going to take one of these good starters, one of these guys that, that have been pitching beyond their peripherals for the last couple of years, a big part of our 2014 playoff run, to make space for a guy like Abaldo Jimenez, who's been nothing but crap for us. Now, for for those of us who didn't read your article, uh, obviously we want you to go over to birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Don't give the whole thing away, Scott, but is there any is there any hope that Abaldo Jimenez can be better, can be the starter that the Orioles need? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, 
looking at his numbers, like we talked about last year, he was completely out of the zone. So if you go back and take a look at his numbers from 2013 and even go back to his numbers in 2011, Abel Jimenez was able to keep it in the zone relatively. Not as good as a lot of players would be, but relatively he was able to keep it in line. The biggest issue was his breaking balls, and we talked to Dan Wegel about this in episode 93. He just got shellacked in terms of his breaking ball, especially his slider. If he can get some success back with his slider, um, he's going to be a very good pitcher um, and also take a look at p- pitch sequencing too. The pitch sequencing that he's been using over the past two years may need to be flipped up again because I think the scouting report is maybe out on him, and I think batters are starting to tee up on him. Let me ask another difficult question. If we trade away a, a starter to make room for Abaldo Jimenez, Abaldo Jimenez is, is contract-wise going to be a member of the rotation for the next you know three years. If he even gets to that level of being the fourth starter on this team, don't you just kind of deal with that? Like, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, you definitely deal, just deal with that. I mean, even if he comes in as being a one-and-a-half to two-war player, he's still going to be as good as a Bud Norris or Miguel Gonzalez or a Wee and Chen. So it's he's not going to be a top-of-the-rotation starter like you expected him to be. He's going to be a middle-of-the-road rotation guy, and you're just going to have to accept that as being a number three or number four starter, which is not terrible considering that you're only going to be paying him 12 or $13 million. Again, Scott Feldman made $10 million last year. The cost for free agent pitchers out there is exorbitant even for a mediocre pitcher. I think by the end of this contract, it won't look so bad. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's the rotation. What about the infield? Well, you've got Manny Machado coming back. Uh, hopefully everything is good with him in terms of the injury. Hopefully he has a uh, full range. Uh and again, getting into spring training, if he can get in there this year, hopefully that gives him a bridge getting into April. Because again, it took him nearly a month once he came back in May to finally get some offensive production going in June. And in June, he was the typical Manny that we expected him to be. But it'd be good for him to get an entire season, including spring training, available at third base, but also offensively as well. You know what I think would be good for him? Not screwing up his knees. Okay. No. I, I understand that. You've had surgery now on both of them. Do you think that's the end of it? I think it's actually the end of it. Okay. I'm of, I'm of two minds about this. You yeah. know what me? I'm not normally an optimist like this, but... I am the eternal optimist. And so part of me wants to say, you know what? He's, he's fixed his knees. He's good. He's, he's a young guy. He'll, he'll figure it out. The other part of me, though, is like, look, his knees are busted. His knees are structurally busted. And he's also built to, to run like that. You know, th- there was a lot of talk last year about him learning to rerun... Part of me wonders if, if he's ever going to be right. Is that a valid concern? Again, we talked about this when he had the surgery, though. And again, they were able to point out the aspect of the degeneration of the knee. I think it's a perfect example of going in and having a preemptive surgery and saying, we'd rather just get rid of this issue completely as opposed to trying to rehab it because we think it's going to happen again. By going there and doing the surgery and not just rehabbing it, I think they're trying to protect towards the future. So this was their insurance policy. You know, Looking back on it, you probably had the possibility to get Machado back in the playoffs based off how deep they went. But depends I, on who you asked, right? <laughs> it depends on who you asked. But I think Machado's camp would come back and say, we're doing this for the long term. We want to make sure that A, our player is able to play for multiple years, and B, get that fat contract we just talked about. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, I want to be optimistic with you. Um, something I, I saw online, it was actually an article from Rockabaco. Uh, who who writes at MassInSports.com. And his article was entitled, Manny Machado given the green light to move back to shortstop. 
What do you make of that? I think it was weird timing. I mean, yeah. it was really weird timing. I mean, it was more just a comment by Buck saying, if Hardy were to get hurt, I could always move Manny over to short, and I'm going to try to play Pierce at third base a little bit in spring training as well just to get him a feel for it, which is interesting because then Pierce would be able to play outfield, third base, and first base, which would Emergency make, catcher. Yeah. Which would almost make him almost like a super utility player, um, like a Ben Zobris type. Um, it would be interesting. I mean, it would be interesting to see um, how that would work. Uh, Tell Ed, let him pitch. I mean, Buck always wants to have that flexibility, so it makes sense um, for Buck to have the plan. And again, one of the main issues of this offseason was the Orioles wanted to have a backup to J.J. Hardy because they really felt like they didn't have it, so they were looking for an athletic shortstop to go and take Hardy's place in case Hardy got hurt again or back spasms. So if Machado was able to go over there and we're able to fill in someone at third base, great. If not, the Orioles need to start looking for a shortstop to ride the pine um, or else they're just going to be going with Ryan Flaherty again, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, do they want to keep going with Ryan Flaherty? I think that Ryan Flaherty, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, Ryan Flaherty as a backup is the perfect guy. He's he, okay. He's the perfect guy because he can be good in short stretches. He's not an everyday player, and he's made that perfectly clear. And I think that guys like that have a role on every major league team. He's He'll be okay for the time being until he starts needing to command some money. And when money comes up in the factor, then it's going to be a question of, okay, we have this guy riding the pine and making X amount of dollars. Is there a better way for us to utilize our money and go get a more you know powerful bat but still has some range at shortstop? Or find another cheap, not good enough to be an everyday player guy. Well, again, and looking for a shortstop that is a utility infielder, that is a left-handed batter, would be advantageous for this team. Absolutely. Um, A few years ago, this is more than a few years ago, uh, maybe 2009, uh, before that even, um, there was a game in which there was an injury and somebody got thrown out. And so for the last inning, Melvin Mora moved from third third base to second base to fill in for Brian Roberts. And I thought, well, that's weird. But it kind of got me thinking, like, what would it be like if a regular starter was the backup for another regular starter. You know what I mean? So this is this is something yeah. you know, maybe we've got more options at third base as backups. Maybe, you know, if Hardy's out, you move Machado over to short, and that's your backup situation, and then you move somebody to third base. Well, Just you, something to exactly. keep in Exactly. You mind. could move Pierce there. You could move Davis there. You could always put Flaherty there as well. Um, there's a plethora of options when you're looking at corner infielders, even though we remember the disaster, which was 2012 before Manny Machado came. Um, let's talk about another player that can play the corner as well, and that's Jonathan Scope. Um, Jonathan Scope was absolutely abysmal at the plate offensively, but you know did a really nice job, uh, you know, defensively this year. The question is: Is Jonathan Scope obviously has the power, but can he develop a better plate approach, or is this the Jonathan Scope we're going to be expecting from now on? Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you. I think it's going to be another rough year for him, but I think rather than his ceiling being you know 220 or whatever he hit, uh, it was probably worse than that. Uh, his ceiling's probably, what, 245 this year. Okay. That's nice. I, Jonathan Scope is going to blow up this year. God, I hope you're... What is the deal with us tonight? You are the optimist. I'm the pessimist. I think he's going to take a step, but I don't think he's going to break out. Yeah, Jonathan you Scope, think he's going to break Jonathan out? Jonathan Scope is going to break out big this year. And you know who b- believes in me, too? Keith Law believes in me, so I'm going to go with that. All right. Sounds like you need a Twitter timeout. <laughs> All right. So you are hopeful that Jonathan Scope can be the guy that we hoped he'd be last year. I think he's going to be a 20 home run second baseman. And like I said, I think he's going to be a top five second baseman in Major League Baseball. Do you think the on-base percentage is going to be a problem, though, outside of that power? Because I agree with you. The power is there. Yeah, the on-base percentage is going to be a problem. But if you're putting a 20 home run person in the seven hole, that's pretty darn good. 
Yeah, the, the guy who we thought Ryan Flaherty was going to be, right? <laughs> no, I mean, it's like a Melvin Moore type player is what I've always said. I think Jonathan Scope could be a Melvin Moore type of, type of player, and I would take that in a heartbeat any day. Oh, absolutely. God, I hope you're right. Okay, what else do we got? Um, okay, let's go to J.J. Hart now is signed. Um, he showed a decline in power last year. Um, do you think that's going to continue, Jake? And if so, how bad is it going to get? Um, you know, I do. I don't think he'll ever be that 25, 30 home run guy. You know, he might be 15 next year. But you know what? I, I think that J.J. Hardy is the player that this team needs. I don't think he will be a liability at the plate. I just don't think he'll ever be the high of the highs that we saw at the beginning of his contract with the Orioles. Um, I, I he think, may not hit those home runs, but if he can keep hitting the line drives like he did during the second half of the season and get doubles, that's a great shortstop to have in your six or seven hole. Yeah, and that's you hit it right in the head, and it was right where I was going to go. If Buck Showalter is willing to admit to himself that that J.J. Hardy is a six, seven hole hitter, he's great. That that's exactly where he should be, and a six, seven hitter like that on a good team, right, is going to help the again. If the you lineup. can pencil in two of the best. Uh, shortstop second base tandems in major league baseball and those two together can hit 40 home runs that's a pretty darn good combo yeah i mean that's and and doing so at the bottom of the lineup right exactly that's a pretty good combo so i'm i'm perfectly okay with that um let's go to first base chris davis what's gonna happen i mean it really comes down to which chris davis are we gonna get are we actually gonna get him well, not for opening day. I mean, I understand that, but are we actually going to get him? Is he going to be tendered an offer? Yes, okay. absolutely. I, I don't think there's anything to the idea of not of not getting him back next year. Um, now, it's interesting to note, Brittany Giroli did post this today on Twitter. She said that uh, Davis was rumored to not be offered a playoff share by the team, which I thought was interesting because in 2012, when playoff shares were being divvied up, they gave them to even players like Randy Wolf. And also the minor league players that were up there for a brief portion of the time as well. Um, I'll bet you the way that end of the season for him went down was not popular in that clubhouse. Which would raise the question of would the Orioles be willing to move him if he's not popular in that clubhouse anymore? No, no. I think think that the environment that Buck Showalter sets up is one where uh, guys like that can redeem themselves. Nelson Cruz, for example, last year. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I also wonder to myself, maybe it was Davis's idea. Mm. Doesn't that seem like the kind of crap he would pull? That seems kind of crazy enough to actually be true. So I'm going to go with it. Good I, job, Jake. Way to, way to break that news. I don't, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know anything, but I don't want to make too big a deal of it. What I do want to make a big deal of is, are we going to get a guy who is capable of being an MVP caliber player, or are we going to get absolute crap and is there any in between for Chris Davis? There's definitely in between, and it's. I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw out of Steve Pierce this year in terms of, you know, he's going to be an above average hitter, and he's going to have to hit the fastball really well. And if he can hit the fastball really well, great. But I think those two players are going to be very similar this year. I think they're going to be two plus WAR players. Um, I think Davis gets together and figures out how to hit to the opposite side as well yeah he's got to get around that that shift he's got to yep um all right so you 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 are rosy across the board you think chris davis is going to come back and have a good year i do okay let's go to the even the even uh more interesting one which matt weeders are we going to get are we going to get the matt weeders who was tearing the cover off the ball who was finally presenting that jesus and cleat stuff that we were supposed to get all along or is Matt Weeders going to be the player that we have seen through the rest of his career where he hits 235, 240 with, you know, 
good power, but nothing else. I would take 240. I mean, take a look at what you got out of Caleb Joseph. I mm-hmm. mean, I'll take anything. I, I don't think we're going to get quite what we saw in the first month, but I also don't think it's going to be as bad as it has been in previous years. But again, I'm very much looking forward to Matt Wieters uh, being you know, in the five hole. Yeah, uh, I, I hope you're right. I, I hope you're right. Again, it, it could go very well. It could. He it could, could have. A, he could have a monster season in his walk here. Uh, you got to hope that that works out of course, for you. Coming back to the Nelson Cruz thing, it would really be nice to see an entire season with Jones, Cruz, Davis, and Weeders all in the lineup at the same time, it and all just, and all firing on those same on all the, firing on the same cylinder. thing. It'd just be would be interesting to see what would happen. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I hope that we do we get the good Weeders. Um, it's it's possible. I agree with you that even if even if we get what we've seen all along. Um, that it'll be an upgrade over um, Caleb Joseph. Joseph will be the backup. Um, I wonder, though, if he'll get more time yes. uh, than than previous guys did. Yes. Especially if we don't have a DH like Cruz to yes. come back. I think we'll see a lot more of Weeders in that role. Yes. I think we'll see a lot of Caleb Joseph. I oh. think we'll. I think they're going to give Matt Weeders a little bit of time off, and uh, hopefully they can use that to their benefit of being like, well— Go into the offseason and be like, well, he's not an everyday catcher either because he's been taking all this time off as well. Do you think he'll go from a guy who, instead of catching 140 games, catches, what, 120? Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. I do. I I think that we at least, I think it might even go down to like 110 just to give him some relief. Especially at the beginning. Correct. Exactly. Uh, we talked about Ryan Flaherty. I don't think there's much to talk about there. He's he's going to be back. Mr. F. Steve Pierce. I'd like to get into the outfield with him, if you don't mind. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about him in the outfield. I mean, I think Steve Pierce is your designated left fielder for this team next year. Do you? Um, oh, okay. I, I think, so what I'm hearing there is that Steve Pierce has done enough to basically earn the right to to prove that he's a starter. Yes. Okay. Do you, I, do you think he has the defensive chops to play left field? Actually, he posted better defensive metrics than uh, Nick Markagas did. Yeah, but doesn't the statistical uh, community say that that's not saying much? Mm, actually, he's got some pretty decent numbers over multiple years. Okay, I I posted a couple of Very highlights. Very small sample size, though. But I posted a couple of highlights from his 2014, where I mean, he makes athletic plays, you know, and he's the kind of guy. Look, he doesn't have a whole lot of tools, but he he plays the hell out of the field when he. I mean, Marquez has the arm for it, but it almost looks like Steve Pierce has a little bit better range than Marquez does. So I, I'm all okay with Steve Pierce manning that left field. Look, I love me some Steve Pierce. I love Steve Pierce. What a great story! What a great guy to have in the lineup. What a, what a great guy to have in the clubhouse to be part of the team. But what I do not understand here is. Is he going to be able to contribute all year? Is he going to be able to go the entire season? Are we putting too much pressure on him? Are we asking too much? Are we putting ourselves in a position where he's going to fail? And then we don't have that super utility backup guy that we we had the luxury of having last year. I mean, do we need to worry about that? Or are you just saying, hey, let's go see what we've got? Roll the dice. All right. That's that's cool. That I think leads to the next question. You've got Nick Marcakis, or I'm sorry, you've got uh, Steve Pierce back as your everyday left fielder. Um, do you think the Orioles will bring back uh, Deaza? I do. I think they'll bring back Alejandro Deaza because he's a cheap option. He's only five and a half million dollars for a good left-handed bat as your fourth outfielder slash left-handed bench guy. I would actually come back and say I would say if you're getting rid of. Um, Sorry, if you're getting rid of Cruz, mm-hmm. 
Uh, you easily could put Pearson at DH, and you could put Cruz out there as your left. Uh, uh, Cruz, Alejandro Diaz out there as your left fielder. In a platoon situation. Similar situation, you could easily put Davis in as your DH, and you could put Pearson at first base as you need to. But there's no question in my mind Diaz needs to be back for this team. Um, he is actually a better statistical player than Nick Marquez has been over the past three years. Offensively and defensively. Offensively. Defensively is mixed, but offensively, yes, he's actually been a little bit better too. Um, but, you know, Alejandro Diaz needs to be back on this team. He's a good left-handed bat in this lineup. Okay. I agree. And the Orioles are looking for left-handed bats. Yeah. No, no. I agree with you that he's a, he's a good guy to have. He's not that expensive. He's only— And he can play center field. He's only expensive if he's going to be your fourth outfielder. Yes, I would agree. Okay. Um, if he's going to be in a platoon situation for left, I say, yeah, bring him back. No problem. That leads us, of course, when we're talking about fourth outfielders, to David Lowe. What do you, what do you think about David Lowe? Um, look, David Lowe doesn't cost you anything. So it's really hard for me to say, let's not have David Lowe on the team. But at the same point, you also have Quentin Berry available on your, in your, on your team. He's still on the 40-man roster. He still has an option remaining, too. So you can actually keep sending him back and forth between Norfolk as well. I don't see the Orioles giving up on David Lowe because, again... He's only cost $500,000. But the same point is if the Orioles get desperate for a roster spot, David Lowe might be given up. I just don't think Dan Duquette is willing to give up on the, on the David Lowe experiment, and I don't think he should give up on the David Lowe experiment just yet. Look, I am not the biggest David Lowe fan, but I will say don't cast them aside until you have to. Right. Until a roster situation makes it so that you have to make a hard decision, you don't get rid of him at that point. Um. All right, we, we've talked about uh, people that can actually play in the field. Let's talk about somebody who shouldn't be allowed anywhere near leather, and that is Delman Young. Delman Young is uh, going to be uh, – he, he is a free agent. He's looking for a two-year deal. He was a, a pleasant surprise off the Orioles bench and provided uh, one of the most exciting moments I've ever seen live in person. What do you think? Hell no. He, he gone? He gone. Unless he takes a one-year deal, but it won't be. It will be one of those one-year deals that is signed right before spring training. So, no, I have no interest. Do you think somebody else will sign him for two years? Yes. All right, have Adam. I think someone like Seattle might sign him. Okay. And you know what? Good. If you want to take Delman Young for two years, you're welcome to him. Um, we, we already talked a little bit at the top about Torrey Hunter, and I think the consensus there is, oh, hell no, please no. Yeah. Uh, what about Melky Cabrera? He's been listed as a quote-unquote fallback option. Is that something you want to go anywhere near? No interest because, again, another first-round pick, and if I'm offering a first-round pick, then it's going to be for a much reduced salary, and there's no way that Cabrera is going to take a reduced salary. He'll go back and sign with the Blue Jays if he has to. Um, no, I have no interest in Melky Cabrera. Um, there's also been a lot of buzz about Nori Aoki from the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Zach Wilk posted about this on BSR. You should go to BaltimoreSportsReport.com and take a look at Zach's article. But personally, I see really no reason for it. You've got Pierce, Diaza, and Lowe, and they're all much cheaper options. Now, hypothetically speaking, let's say we lose Marcakis. Um, If you wanted to go out there and get another outfielder, the one person that was really interested in me is Carlos Gonzalez from the Rockies. Carlos Gonzalez is being dangled around in the trade waters by the Rockies. He is making a ton of money over the next three years. A ton of money. I think it's like $18 million, $19 million, and $20 million over the next three seasons. But, you know, previous seasons, he's been a uh, three to four uh, war player. And then last year, he had a very injury-ridden season. It's one of those situations where if you've got an extra starter, it'd be interesting to tab him to the Rockies, 
tab a prospect and see if you can get Carlos Gonzalez, and he could be a solid left fielder or right fielder for this team if he stays healthy. If not, you fall back on David Lowe, Pierce, and Diazza. Uh, you know, all that costs you, I think, is money. Uh, what do you think it would take to pry him out of out of Colorado? They're trying to dump that salary, so you don't have to give up a ton, but what do you think it would take to get, to get him here? In reality... Uh, in the real world, it's going to take a ton because the Rockies feel like he's equal in value to Trio Tolowitzki. In what statistically he's worth, I, I think, like I said, the proposition that I made where you either trade a Norris or a Gonzalez and uh, a Zach Davies, I think that should be able to get that, that trade done. If not, um, thanks, but no thanks. I'm not trading a Bundy or anything like that, which the Rockies might ask for. Yeah, and uh, I think Cargo would do well at Camden Yards. I think so, too. Again, another power left-hander. All right. Uh, look, we've talked around the, the, the starting rotation, the infield, the outfield. Let's dive into the bullpen. The bullpen doesn't have a ton of question marks in it as far as, as uh, new uh, personnel that we need. Obviously, uh, Andrew Miller is leaving, so there's a hole there. But there are some people that we know are going to be part of that bullpen. You've got Zach Britton, Darren O'Day, no questions. Right? Yep, those are your two absolute definitely will be back next year. I think... Tommy Hunter is another slam dunk. He'll be in that bullpen. I'm not so sure about that. Okay, why not? Well, again, you do have Oliver Drake out there that was signed for the Major League contract. There's a possibility, since he is a high strikeout pitcher, that he could take the role of a Tommy Hunter. Okay. Uh, I don't think that the Orioles are going to part with Tommy Hunter. I don't think he's done anything wrong. I don't think he's going to be too expensive that they won't stick with him. I would agree. I think that we'll probably keep Tommy Hunter. There's another individual that is a right-handed pitcher in our bullpen last year that I think is going to be coming out of the bullpen um, and is longer going to be with the team eventually and that Mr. Drake is going to be filling the role for. And that's Brad Brock. Brad Brock is out of options. And, um, well, the Orioles love having relievers in the bullpen with options. Brad Rock has no options because they used their last one last year. So the question is, what do you do with him? More than likely when you get into those long West Coast trips or on a road trip and you need another pitcher because your star only went two or three innings, you need a person with options. Drake is your option player. He can go back and forth. So Brad Rock, I don't think, is going to be in the bullpen next year. Wow. I, I disagree with you wholeheartedly. I think that the Orioles think a lot of Brad Brock. I think he's a cheap uh, commodity for them, the kind of cheap commodity where if you do get into a roster crunch, they might not mind just DFAing him and hoping. Um, I think that Brock gave them length, which they needed occasionally. And Brock is also a guy that, you know, that was a very tight-knit bullpen. And a lot of the bullpen guys said, you know, Brad Brock has the stuff to be a closer type or a late-inning type. I think that that Brad Brock developed into the type of pitcher that, you know, we got for a song. Nobody knew who this guy was. He came in and he had mop-up duties. He was up, he was down. But then he gave us clutch innings. He could come in and be a fireman. I'm Again, I'm just not sure that the Orioles will part with him in the bullpen. Well, let's talk about another player then that was signed to a two-year contract last season. That's Ryan Webb. Ryan Webb was signed for a two-year contract. He's going to have one year left on his contract coming into this year. Again, a player with no options. Had an option last year. No and options this it. year. And they used it. Exactly. He wasn't on any of the playoff rosters. The question is... What are the Orioles going to do with Ryan Webb? They can't send him back down to the minors. Is that trade bait? Is that something that you're looking for a bag of balls for? And that that's the person that Brad Rock can stay in as a Ryan Webb player. And then you have a person like you know Oliver Drake being able to take and use that as the option and basically going back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the odd man out is most likely in that scenario. 
uh, Ryan Webb. And and I almost feel like in a lot of instances, Ryan Webb really didn't do anything wrong. He was the fourth best reliever for the team last year. Yeah. I mean, in just metrics, he was the fourth best reliever. Um, he was right there, actually a little bit ahead of Brad Brock in terms of performance. So you're absolutely right. He's not that bad of a player. It's just that he never could find a role for this team. And that was as simple as that. So it'll be interesting to see what the Orioles do with him, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Ryan Webb moved at the winter meetings. And he's just, he's making what, two million or so? Yeah, two million like dollars. So, so some team is going to be interested in getting him. Um, I just don't think that it's going to be with the Orioles anymore. All right. This is a guy who I don't think will be with the team next year, Brian Mattis. Yeah, I don't really see. Brian Mattis coming back for $2.5 million. I think that role can be filled by a player like TJ McFarland. Absolutely. And I have beat the TJ McFarland drum for as long as he's been here. I think that he is derided unnecessarily. I think that uh, TJ McFarland is. I deride TJ McFarland specifically for trying to be a starter. If you're going to come in as a loogie, I have no issue with you coming in as a loogie. TJ McFarland is a very useful guy because he's got options. TJ McFarland can give you length and an occasional spot start. And. Yes, he's very effective against lefties, but can also get righties. Uh, you know, people acted as if he was awful, and I just don't think that's the case. So he's y- not awful if he only sees the lineup one time through. But past that, you got to get him out of there. So yeah. there's no way he can be a starter. No, I agree. But you're absolutely right. He could be that player like Brad Brock was, which is I'm going to put two innings up on the board, or even three innings if I get if we get desperate. And you know, having those long men is going to be a benefit to the Orioles through a season. I, I think that uh, if McFarland is your is your loogie and a good one, uh, it, it opens up a spot. It allows a, a guy like uh, Drake to make the, the the roster. I think there's a good a good chance that he makes the roster. I think that's a, a good signing, uh, a re-signing for the Orioles. It was a desperation aspect because the Orioles had to make a move and say someone's going to pick this guy up, um, and and we have to put him in there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Orioles again go to the Rule Five Draft and pick up a a loogie as well and just say tj mcfarland's going to be our long man still but we want to go out and get another left-hander yeah. to put into the bullpen and basically use him as our loogie and if it doesn't work out great we'll send it back to you but i think the orioles might be looking again at another lefty bullpen arm i hadn't thought about that but i bet you're right because the orioles love using the rule five draft they they love making sure that they have got the rule five as a way to bring talent into the organization you know even if it, they have to hide them on the roster that first year and then they've got the flexibility with the the options afterward. Correct. I think it's a way that that Dan Duquette has looked at. Look, the Orioles need depth and talent. This is one of the avenues that we can bring them in. Um, one person that was a loogie that I thought was a really interesting person to go out and get was Zach Duke. Yeah. But Zach Duke made way more money than I was expecting. He got a three-year deal. I'm like, if Zach Duke is getting a three-year deal... There is no question in my mind that we cannot go out and sign a loogie right now. We need to start building it from within, from within the organization, similar to how the Orioles did with TJ McFarland, say we're going to get him from the Rule 5 draft. I think this is an excellent opportunity for the Orioles to either pull someone from their minor leagues to start to try to turn into a loogie, or as like I like I said, take someone from the Rule 5 draft and see if you can get some options. Now, if I can go back to Oliver Drake real quick. Yes. So, something that struck me when they announced that they re-signed this guy is that another... Another trend that I've seen from the Duquette regime is that they tend to double down on their guys. You know, they they had Drake, they were developing, he became a minor league free agent, or he became a free agent, and they signed him. 
you know, they, they tried to keep him in the organization. You've seen this with some of the, the minor league signings that they've made. You know, they brought Alamanzar or Alamanzar back yep. as a, a, you know, they signed him. Um, there are a number of these guys in the minors that became minor league free agents and they brought him back. That's why you keep hearing things like, well, you know, maybe Johan Santana will get another shot within the organization. I, I feel like... Buck Burton, for example, yeah. who was a minor league agent and uh, he was signed by the Dodgers. He was the number two ranked best minor league free agent out there in the market you know the Orioles wanted to keep him but it's a situation of the Dodgers are able to offer him a much better opportunity to get onto the field because again Buck Burton was only going to play second base and third base and he's right behind Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope not really a place to go um so good luck to Buck Burton I mean he yeah. deserves a chance to go out there and do it but again you look at him just like yeah I wonder what could happen it also raises the question of should the Orioles have been looking to move him last year as well but hindsight's yeah. 2020 but the, and what the, were you gonna get from him really not much i mean the the two things i think that this, that this again uh front office regime does is they they work hard to keep guys that they believe in you know like the list i just gave the, the other thing they do is that they sign minor league free agents and they try to throw enough stuff on the wall that something will skip uh stick and you're seeing that with uh uh hassan that they just signed and uh the other guy martinez and so they're signing all these uh middle infielders and hoping that again something will stick when they need it all right jake we've been talking way too long we need to give our people a break let's bring in some drama we're going to break this down and get a little humorous with some truth or truth all right, Jake. So this is the segment that we go back and forth asking each other questions that we have to answer truthfully. So, Jake, I ask you, truth or truth? I'm going to go with truth. Okay, Jake, have you worn any Chris Davis apparel this offseason so far? No, but I don't. Oh, you know what? I wore the uh, Crush City giveaway uh, athletic T-shirt. So, yes. Yes, okay. I have. Way to promote using illegally, you know, sourced pharmaceuticals. Yeah, I'm, I'm good like that. All right, Jake, go ahead. Scott, I'm going to ask you this once. Actually, I'm going to ask you this three times. Scott, truth or truth? I'm going to go with truth. All right. Who is the bigger trader? Pablo Sandoval? Is that T-R-A-D-E-R? Pablo Sandoval or the E-Trade baby? um it's got to be the panda pablo sandoval biggest trader i know hashtag trader all right jake truth or truth i begrudgingly i'm gonna go with truth jake could nick marquez's wife be the next fascination of mine yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like that would require there to be a Nick Markakis watch, and I'm just not sure we've got it within us. Challenge accepted. <laughs> All right. Scott, truth or truth? Truth, obviously. This is not to degrade your fandom in any way, shape, or form. Too with, late. With the Ray Rice situation going on in the beginning of the season and with the Orioles' postseason stretching into mid-October, has it been difficult for you to get into the Ravens this season? Absolutely. I'm almost done with them, actually. I mean, I'm really having a hard time even supporting this team at this moment. Sorry, I've been much more interested in hot stove baseball than I have been the Ravens. It's been a very difficult Ravens season. Yeah, I mean, it's not just because of the play on the field. It's just very tough for me to get behind a team and a corporation such as the NFL that behaves in this fashion. Enough of that, Rand. We're talking baseball here. Jake, truth or truth? Truth, of course. All right, Jake. What is going to be your favorite thing to devour on this upcoming Thursday. All right, it's a very easy 
easy answer for me. Every other year, sweet potatoes with marshmallows. No, no, every <laughs> no, no, every other year we do the this, this family that family thing. Um, when we're not at at my aunt's place in in Palmyra, we go to my in laws. My in laws make amazing German potato salad. It's the thing that I look forward to the most out of the year. It's amazing German potato salad with some bacon in there. It nothing beats that. German bacon. It's like as anti-Jewish as you can be. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's the Delman Young special. What yes. about you? What is your... Uh... I like sweet potato casserole. All right. I can't argue with that. Yeah. Scott, truth or truth? Uh, I'm going to mix it up this time. I'm going with truth. That's a wise choice. Yeah. Will the Red Sox be a threat in the AL East with all of their reloading, or are they all in for nothing? No, yeah, they'll definitely be a threat. Just like every other team was a threat at the beginning of that season last year, um, that that division is going to be equally stacked in terms of who could win that that that, se- that division. So, you know, everyone's going to say, "Oh, the Orioles won 96 games. The Red Sox, you know, lost this amount of games." That's all fine and good, but the Red Sox are going to be right there with the Baltimore Orioles in terms of being a very competitive team. And um, I'll have to give it some more consideration, but they at least need to be my number one or number two team in this division. So, Jake, with that, that's truth or truth. I like it. All right. Jake, I think it's time we go ahead and uh, close things up with uh, perhaps I'm blowing the save. So, Jake, I'm going to blow the save this week. Jake, cereal. It must be the greatest thing of all time. I love this podcast. It's yes. ridiculously so, good. You know, honestly, we could go on about it, but for anybody that is listening to this podcast, if you're not listening to Serial Podcast, something is wrong with you. You need to go immediately now. Go to Serial Podcast and please, please, folks, donate money to Serial Podcast. Go and support good journalism such as that. Like they said, five, ten dollars goes a long way if all these people contribute. That's all I'm going to say. SerialPodcast.org. SerialPodcast.org. Go and donate to that podcast and maybe some other podcasts that you know as well if you get a chance but good job serial podcast keep up the good work we're looking forward to it and enjoying it on a thursday basis and with that jake that's all i've got birdland and beyond adieu adieu good night baltimore still here? It's over. Go home. Go.